0: Green Sally down, last unstarched out of Taylor's Brown, Green Sally up, Green Sally down, last unstarched out of Taylor's Brown, Green Sally down, last unstarched out of Taylor's Brown. Oh, a into the wall, Denny Hamlin from the lead, Get slams into the wall. There. Now Harvick trying to go back to back at the most fam- famous race track in the world. Coming out of turn four, Kevin Harvick is going to see the checkered flag, he wins again. Welcome back to another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. We've got another jam packed episode this week talking about Kentucky. We're going to get into the track stats there and then obviously get into our picks. We've got picks on the money line who we like to win the race and some prop bets. And as always, head-to-head picks, and then we're going to end this week's episode talking briefly about the midweek All-Star Race coming up next Wednesday. So we'll talk briefly about that and how we're going to bet that. But as always, we want to take a quick look back at the week that was, and it was Indianapolis. And I'll be honest, I was pretty hard on Indianapolis last week on the podcast, calling it a pretty boring race. And I would say as far as races at Indy go it was pretty entertaining. I mean, you you don't really see a wreck on pit road like that very often. And we had Brian Blaney's crew member get run over pretty much, or that was how they started the race. It felt like pretty early on. And then you had that finish. I mean, do you call it a wild finish? You have the leader dominating the race, Denny Hamlin out in front. He had that restart head to head with Harvick, took control of the race with 20 to go. And then Down the line, blows a tire with only a few laps to go. Car just completely blew up after hitting the wall. So that opened the door for a restart. Harvick versus Kenseth. Harvick shot out of there like a bat out of hell and took control of the race. So I think it was just that blown tire by the leader. I mean, you don't see that very often when it looks like the guy has the race completely locked up and then something dramatic like that's happened. That doesn't necessarily pop up every single race, so I liked the excitement there. I mean, it was just that brief moment of, whoa, what just happened? As far as the bets are concerned, we had Harvick on the money line, so I was jumping for joy when I saw that tire blow on the 11th car, and he hit the wall pretty hard. But uh, some other bets that we made, Truex, we said he wasn't going to finish in the top five, and he was out of the race quite early, so we were high-fiving that one. Uh, We had Kenseth in the top 10. He must won the damn race. So smashed that bet out of the park and went 2-2 on our head-to-head bets. But the absolute stone-cold lead pipe lock was Ryan Newman over Ricky Stenhouse. Now, Newman was out of the race pretty early, but uh, I had to look it up. Stenhouse was involved in that pit row wreck, and he was out of the race even earlier. So we cashed in on that one. Uh, It was a tight one, but we, we... Cash that one in as well, so all in all, pretty good week, I mean, if you could pick the winner, that's another W for the podcast, picking the winner on the money line, so coming out of Indy, pretty good, and as far as NASCAR is concerned, that double header with IndyCar on Saturday, that was a big success, big numbers for NBC coming out of the weekend, so very good at a racetrack that I would say pretty boring, this week, they did a great job, so the show was great, and uh, very happy with everything that went down, so We will now look ahead to Kentucky to see if they can keep that momentum rolling because we've got three cup races outside of the All-Star race, which is obviously at Bristol, but three mile and a half. So we're going to cookie cutter country, is what I like to call it. We're going to Kentucky and then Texas and then Kansas. All three of them, mile and a half tracks, which have potential to be, you know, a little bit more boring, more technical, but we're going to dive all in on Kentucky, which is coming up this weekend. So before we really dive into who we like, we always like to talk about the track stats. And as always, track stats are sponsored by Sean Boy. Had a lot of people asking me, Phil, is Sean Boy worth it? And let me tell you this, if you're asking yourself that question, you're not ready for a consultation with Sean Boy. He is the best. If you are stuck with anything to do with your Excel spreadsheet, your numbers, even your golf game, you got a question about golf, Sean Boy can do it all Use promo code HAMMER for your first ever consultation with Sean Boy, and he will take care of you. Remember, Sean Boy, he's our boy. So the Sean Boy track stats for this one, pretty small sample size, actually. Only nine races ever at Kentucky Speedway. So they've been coming here once a year since they started that, just nine races ago. And that really makes it tough to try to bet on somebody with a lot of certainty so looking at those stats from those nine races though a winner has started on the poll three times and last time it happened was martin truex in 2018 started inside the top five six times and inside the top 10 eight out of the nine races not one time has somebody won the race by starting outside of the top 20 and i don't think it's going to happen this week either the furthest anybody's ever started back in the pack to win the race at Kentucky was 16th, and that was Matt Kenseth, so earlier in, in this decade. So a little smaller sample size, a little tougher for us, but I think we're up for the challenge. Now, there's a stat of the week that I'm focusing on this week, and that's laps led. I want to focus on that because the guys who have done well here have just dominated the races when they've either won or won or, you know, really been up front and leading the way. I mean, hundreds of laps led during these races. So if you're going to focus on a guy to bet on, it would behoove you to try to focus on somebody who is out front a lot at this racetrack, because there are some guys out there that have some pretty good odds that have led a lot of laps. So there's only been five drivers in the field that have ever won a race here. And, uh, you know, there's something to be said there as well. we're going to focus on guys who have won in the past. Now, if we're looking at the guys who are currently dominating, Hamlin and Harvick, I mean, the, these guys, they've won the last three races now in a row, and they've got the you know, more, more favorite odds. Harvick's going off as the favorite right now, plus 400, and Hamlin's right behind him. We're going to avoid these guys this week. It might come back to, to bite us, but we're, we're going to try to stay away and get some guys who are, A, historically good at Kentucky, and B, a little bit better odds than those guys. Just because they're dominating right now, you know, we're, we're going to try to fade them and try to cash in on somebody else. So the other thing I just wanted to point out, as far as the track stats go, we want to because it's such a small sample size, we can look at the manufacturers. And Toyota, they lead the way with four wins out of the nine races that we've been here. So the, the next closest would be Ford with two wins, Chevy with a win, and also Dodge back in like 2012 or something like that. They had a win with Kozlowski. So Toyota has the uh, advantage right now as far as wins is concerned at Kentucky Speedway. But let's get into some money line picks here because... That's why we're here. We want to keep up the momentum. We had Harvick last week. Feels good to be right. Had Hamlin the weekend before at Pocono. We got to love that. So we're going to start with a guy who I'm pretty tired of talking about, honestly, because it seems like everybody's just wondering when he's going to get the win, and it's Kyle Bush. Kyle is going off at plus 650 when the odds came out this week. And that's really good value to me because of his track history. So we're going to talk about how good Kyle is here historically, and then also talk about the season that he's having right now. But he owns this track. I mean, I said last week, you know, I'm taking Kyle at Indy because I'm not sure how he is at these other racetracks coming up. Well, at Kentucky, he is the guy who is dominating here as of late. I mean, all-time, actually. I mean, there's only been nine races. Like we said, Kyle has two wins, seven top fives and eight top tens, along with the pole. So he's got seven top fives. Nobody else in the field or ever has ever had seven top tens. So that shows you how strong he is. But if that doesn't do it for you, he's first in driver rating. His average driver rating is 125.5. That is monstrous like absolutely out of this world type of average compared to what you see at the guys who are first in driver rating at other racetracks. In addition to that, the second place guy who we're going to talk about, his average driver rating is 105.5, so a 20-point lead in driver rating for Kyle Busch. He's also first when it comes to average finish, which is 4.7 in nine races here. He's, he's just crazy with the numbers. Now, most laps led. We said that laps led were going to be a thing. He has, by far, the most laps led at this racetrack over the past nine races with 621. That's 25% of the laps ever run at Kentucky. The 18 car has been out front. That is, like I said, by far, first of all drivers. So, you got to really think on this because... If you're getting a little fatigued, betting on Kyle and having you let you down, I'm with you. But the value here, plus 650, is damn good for someone with these numbers at a racetrack like this. So there's a pattern. If you want to really stretch for this, there is a pattern. And that is he wins a race and then it resets back to, you know, his highest number of finish. And then he gets better and better and better, and then he wins. So, for example, he won, his last, he won a race, then he finished 10th, 5th, 2nd, and 1st. Then it reset back to 12th, 5th, 4th. Last year, he finished 2nd. So if the pattern were to continue, he would win this race, and uh, then we'd avoid him the year after. But just trying to you know, draw any type of patterns out of the history here. Now, getting into this year, it's been a strange year. He finished sixth at Indianapolis, which is a racetrack that he, again, has historically been really good at, but he just hasn't been able to put it together. And looking ahead, I don't see in Texas and Kansas the type of dominant numbers that I'm seeing here in Kentucky for Kyle. And for that reason, I'm saying this is going to be the last time I'm betting on him for a while. I mean, maybe the all-star race, but like on a real cup race... I don't think I'm. I think I'm going to avoid him just because of the fact that he's not getting it done, is winning the race. So any other race car driver would be thrilled with the year Kyle Busch is having, but he's Kyle Busch. He's supposed to rack home victories, you know, almost every week it seems like. So he's going to have this holding over every time until he wins a race. But I think it could be this weekend at Kentucky that he gets the monkey off his back. So plus six fifty, I would bet that that's going to go down a bit because of his numbers and once people start to get wise to that. So lock me in 18 car Kyle Busch plus 650. Now, next guy that I want to talk about is Brad Keselowski because Brad also has very stellar numbers here at Kentucky and his value is plus 800. It actually opened at plus 700 and went up to plus 800. So in nine races at Kentucky, he has three wins, which is good enough for the most out of anybody. He's won 33% of the time that we've come here. Four top 10s and six, sorry, four top fives, six top 10s. When we talk about laps led, we just talked about Kyle being the, the most all-time. Well, he's the second most. 524 laps led. That's also a really large percentage of the laps ever at this racetrack his driver rating is 2nd like i said 105.5 and back in 2016 he had a perfect driver rating he won that race from the pole and he had 150 driver rating which is perfect for those who don't really follow nascar maybe you're just getting into this for the betting aspect you can kind of correlate driver rating to quarterback rating in football because it doesn't just consider your average finish or sorry, your final finish of the race, but how good you're doing throughout the race. You know, if you're leading a lot of laps and, you know, up front most of the time, and then you have a a bad wreck happen at the end, you're not going to get killed in your driver rating because you were performing well that day, a lot like uh, a quarterback rating. So to have a perfect driver rating in a single race is pretty rare. I mean, I think it's only happened just over like 20 times ever since they started doing this back in the mid-2000s. So perfect rating at this racetrack would tell you that this guy likes it. I mean, you know, that's that's how I look at it. And if he did it then, why can't he do it now? So his average finish all time at this racetrack, he's good enough for seventh overall. 12.3 is his average finish. So it's a really hit or miss situation with Brad Kislowski. Last year, he missed. He finished 20th, so he's due for a good run, and it's really a, is he a contender or is a pretender? He's got two wins this year, Bristol and Charlotte. You could actually argue that both of those wins kind of fell into his lap, but I'm going to argue that this is a racetrack that he could very easily win at. He finished top five last week at Indianapolis. This is the best value you're going to get. This weekend at Kentucky, of a driver that can actually win the race, I think. Plus 800 is damn, damn good for a guy with these numbers at the racetrack and numbers this season. So he's a very strong candidate this weekend. I'm going to go with the two car, lock it in at plus 800 if he can get it. Now, the final guy that I'm going to call out to win the race on the money line this week. Martin Truex Jr. We have not talked about him to win the race in quite some time, and it's for good reason, but his track history here, nine races, two wins, two top fives, and five top tens. In 2017 and 18, he went back-to-back winning the races at Kentucky. So I'm going to say we took a year off last year, and he's going to come back this year and has potential of, of getting the checkered flag at Kentucky once again in 2018 he won from the poll and he just missed on that perfect driver rating 149.1 was his driver rating so just 0.9 away from a perfect score just like we talked about when we talk about driver rating he's third out of all active drivers so we're calling out the guys who are first second and third in driver rating it's an important stat I really value that stat when I'm looking at who to bet on and this week I think it really matters So his driver rating on average is 102.6. As far as average finish, he's sixth out of all active drivers with a score of 11.1. And when we talk about that laps led stat, he's third in that as well, 373 laps led at this racetrack. He finished 19th last year, and I feel like he's having a similar year this year to Kyle. Now he has a win, from earlier in the year but he's just not as dominant as we're used to out of Martin Truex Jr. I mean he's, he's driven to the upper echelon of this sport and each week it seems like he's just kind of you know getting by. Last week he wrecked out very early we cashed in on that but in this week we're betting on him and I think he has a really good chance of putting a good run together and possibly snagging a win. Now it seems like it's just waiting to happen for the the gibbs camp in general and truex on top of that so when will they start picking it up when will kyle pick it up when will truex pick it up it seems like mid season is when gibbs comes alive at least the past few seasons so it makes sense to bet on you know the other two drivers in the camp that are top level guys varsity level guys and uh, truex makes sense at plus 600 at kentucky I would say you might be able to get him at a better number as the weekend comes down. I'm gonna, you know, really pay attention to that because plus six hundred is a damn good number, but I think you might be able to get it at like plus six fifty, maybe plus seven hundred on race day. So take a look, but I'm all over Martin Truex this weekend. And to recap all the money line picks that I'm talking about this week, it's Truex plus six hundred, Brad Keselowski in the two at plus eight hundred, and Kyle Busch in the eighteen. At plus 650, these are the guys to focus on at Kentucky. Buggy, buggy, buggy! let's go racing boys. Next, let's get into some prop bets because we've been pretty good at these the last few races, talking top tens and manufacturers, car number, group bet, the whole nine yards, everything that is available right now on the sports book. So we're going to start with a few top tens. And the first guy that jumps off the page to me when we're talking top tens is Kurt Bush. He won this race last year and his numbers historically are damn good. Now he's going off right now at minus 125 to finish in the top 10. Typically in this section, I like to pick guys who are, you know, plus 100 to plus 250. uh, Giving up money minus money is something that I tend to avoid. But this week at Kentucky, I'm going to kind of break my own rule. So Historically, he's got one win, two top fives, and six top tens. That's what we're looking for. He's finished in the top 10 six of nine times. That's really good. And he's done that, finished in the top 10 with four different race teams. That's a really telling stat because what that's telling me is it's not a matter of, you know, you got these guys who have been with the same team forever. And you start to question, you know, is it the team or is it the driver? With Kurt at this racetrack, he's finishing the top 10 no matter who he's with. So, really good numbers, lifetime here 137 laps led. That's really good. Last year, he really jumped up and, and stole that race at Kentucky, kind of surprised some people. And I loved it. I mean, I think we had him on the money line, if I remember correctly, last year. It was a great win. So, He's got four top 10s here in the last five races, which is just really perfect for what we're looking for. All time, his average finish is 10.8. That's good enough for fifth overall. And his driver rating is eighth out of all active drivers, 93.7. Just really, really strong numbers out of Kurt Busch in the one car so he's definitely starting within the top 12. we don't have the random draw yet but that's another thing that you got to look for as you're placing your bets so i would only assume that you know say kurt gets a, a big draw he's starting maybe on the front row or something like that it's only gonna make his top 10 numbers go down maybe to to minus 150 or something so i'm getting all in on this minus 125 early this pick makes sense it's a nice sound pick and it's very defendable so I'm all in. Kurt Busch, minus 125. The next guy I want to talk about is also going off its minus money here, Eric Jones, minus 106. Less of a sample size with Jones in the 20 car, but it makes sense as well because he's been here three times and the guy has finished in the top 10 100% of the time. Three top 10s, including a top five along the way. So 1.5 mile racetracks, not typically his thing, it's not something you really think of when you think of Eric Jones, especially this year, but whatever reason, at Kentucky, it works for Eric Jones. I mean, it, it, 100% of the time, he's finishing the top 10. Now, there's also a pattern this season that we're seeing with Jones, and that is, since Homestead, anytime he finishes outside of the top 20, he snags the top 5. And what did he finish at Indianapolis? 33rd. So if the pattern were to continue, that means that he's finishing inside the top five, and we don't need anything in the top five. We just need top 10 out of that 20 car. So I like Eric Jones, minus 106. I'm going to keep my eye on it. I'm probably not going to bet it early in the week, maybe closer to Saturday or Sunday, just to see if that number becomes more in our favor. But I'm definitely all over Eric Jones regardless, unless that number gets astronomical, like minus 200 or something, I'm going to be betting the 20 car to finish in that top 10. The third and final guy we're talking about when it's top 10 is Eric Almirola. How can we not talk about Eric Almirola in that 10 car? My goodness, what a run that they're on right now. Historically at this racetrack, he's not very good. One top 10, seven races, and that happened in 2018. But since joining Stuart Haas Racing, his finishes, he's only been there two years, 8th and 14th. So better numbers since joining Stuart Haas. But again, not great here. His average finish is 19.1. That's pretty far down the list out of all active drivers. But when we're talking about the lens of this year, right? So you have the guys who have been great here all time at this racetrack, but then you also have to consider how these guys are running at this moment in time this season. And Eric Almirola is on the run of a lifetime, five top fives in a row. It's been happening ever since Homestead, which was another mile and a half racetrack. So why not? I mean, it's really just waiting to see when this is going to stop. He's going off at plus 100 to finish in the top 10 right now. And if you want to get even more frisky, you could take him plus 400 to finish in the top five. That's, I mean... If he's on that run, why not bet it until it stops? Plus 400, that's crazy value for someone who's been doing it five weeks in a row, five races in a row. So Eric Almirola is definitely one to watch. I'm going to bet both of those numbers early in the week because I think I would imagine that there's going to be some more money put on him, and that would drive the, the value down. So I'm all over. Eric Almirola, even though the history is not there, he's he's hot. He's got the hot hand, so I'm going to play that one this week. So the top 10 picks, I'm going with Kurt Busch, Eric Jones, and Eric Almirola. Two different Erics, two different spellings of their name. Very weird. I want to talk about the manufacturer pick for a second because this happened a couple weeks ago, and we ended up hitting it. And this is just more of a heads-up to you. So you have the ability through most sports books to pick which team you think is going to win the race. One of their drivers win the race, you hit. And you also have the ability to pick what manufacturer is going to win. So Joe Gibbs Racing is going off at plus 150 to win the race, but Toyota is going off at plus 160, which is better odds for you as the gambler and you get another driver in Christopher Bell. They did this a few weeks ago. It makes zero sense. So I'm saying if you like Joe Gibbs, and I talked about two of their drivers to win the race, and uh, Bush and Truex, just talked about Eric Jones and his numbers here. So And Ham- Hamlin's the hottest guy other than Harvick on the circuit right now. So if you're thinking about taking Gibbs, just take Toyota because it's giving you better value at plus 160 because you get an extra driver on top of it. The other manufacturers, Ford's going off as the favorite, plus 150. Not sure how that's possible, I guess because of Harvick. And then Chevy's plus 250 at the moment. So I'm going right in that middle spot, the Goldilocks spot, right in the middle, sweet spot, plus 160. Lock it in. It's better value, and you get an extra car than just the Gibbs bet. Now, Let's take a look at the car number this is just really a silly bet kind of a fun bet this is the car number odd or even and right now the odd is going off at plus 125 so for these little silly bets i like to take if it's available the one that's going to give you better value so plus 125 is the number and I'm thinking to myself, well, who are some odd drivers out there, right? You got Hamlin, who we said is is red hot. You got Truex, who we called out as a potential winner. Kurt Busch, Chase Elliott in the nine. I mean, you got guys that are good this year or good at this racetrack. So if you're getting a little bit more value, I like taking the odd number there, just kind of on a flyer. I, I think those bets are, are more fun. And, um, you know, it, it's not exactly one that you're taking with a lot of confidence when you're diving into those style bets, but it's really um, just, hey, here's a better value. I'm going to take a shot and and we'll see what happens. Now, there's a group bet out there that I want to look at. And this is a, a bet where you have four drivers and you're choosing one guy to beat the other three. So I'm looking at Matt Kenseth, who's going off at plus 250 to win this group, taking on Christopher Bell, William Byron, and Clint Boyer, all together so those killer bees versus kenseth now looking at kenseth's numbers here one win three top five six top tens at kentucky all time that's really good he has more top fives than the other three have top tens combined and i know that bell's a rookie and byron's young but still i mean very good numbers for matt kenseth now up until last week, you'd say, well, he's been a no-show. But last week, he was contending for a win, finished second overall at Indianapolis. So if there's any momentum to be had, this team has it. And it makes sense. I mean, plus 250 is a really good number when you consider that you got one guy who's going off, he's a rookie, hasn't raced here in cup. William Byron, we're going to talk about him and Clint Boyer in a second, but their numbers aren't phenomenal. So I'm going to take the uh, the value there with the history and the plus 250 number. I like Matt Kenseth to win that group handedly. We'll see. But those are the different prop bets that we like this week. Hopefully we can hit on something and uh, really drive ourselves forward into the all-star race and further. Vegas, baby! Vegas! Now we're going to move on to our head-to-head section where we're going to analyze different matchups of two different drivers and try to pick who we like to finish ahead of the other. This is most people's favorite part of the podcast because it's a nice, easy, clean bet. You don't have to worry about anybody winning the whole race. It's just can they beat the other guy, mano y mano. And this section of the podcast is sponsored by Penn East Vineyard. For great tasting wine that's not gonna break the bank, Penn East Vineyard is the wine for you this summer. They've got all types of wine, whether it's Cabernet or Kingfisher Red Blend, or nice white wine. This is the wine for you. It's got made with the grit of the Philadelphia region and the smooth, beautiful taste of upstate New York. Give Penn East Vineyard a look at your liquor store, probably sold out because they're so popular. Penn East Vineyard tastes like home. So, this week's head to head section, the sports books are really throwing a wrench at us because these matchups are definitely tough to pinpoint and we're gonna talk about four of them. Now, I try not to talk about the the head-to-head matchups that are involving the guys we already talked about in the the odds to win the race or top 10s, you know, try to talk about different guys. So in doing that, we've got four matchups here that are really tough to break down because of the lack of data to pour through. And these matchups are definitely weird combinations. So we're gonna start With Matt DiBenedetto and Tyler Reddick. And one theme that we're going to have throughout this head to head section is mile and a half history. Because even though we don't have a lot of history from Kentucky Speedway, we can look at how these guys are doing this year on mile and a half. So, Matty D and Tyler Reddick, we're going to start with with DiBenedetto, five races at Kentucky. Historically, his best finish is 16th all-time. Now, that was last year in the 95 car. Historically, he hasn't been in great vehicles. He was in the 32 for a while. Last year was his first year in the 95, and he, he scored a good win. So, in better equipment this year, driving the 21, we'll see. Average finish, though, this season is 15.2. You know, he's mid-pack. I mean, he, he's up there. He's fighting for playoffs. He, he's doing well in terms of the standings but at Kentucky eh. now if we're looking at just mile and a half he finished second at Las Vegas that was the first mile and a half of the season so he has that finish in terms of mile and a half to to hang his hat on and in the full season he has one top five and four top tens overall now if we move over to Tyler Reddick we've talked a little bit about him on the podcast in past episodes so he's a rookie We don't have any cup stats on him, but as far as Xfinity is concerned, he won this race back in 2018. So there's something to be said for that. I mean, he's not in the cup, but he's winning the races that he's in at this racetrack. His season so far is identical to to Benedetto's in terms of top fives and top tens. He's got one top five and four top tens. So very good. Now, if we're just focusing on mile and a half for the eight car, he finished fourth at Homestead and eighth at Charlotte earlier this season. So a little bit better, I would say, these numbers. Now, if we break it down, you, you know, you really can't determine, okay, I don't really know what to make of the stuff that we just laid out there. So let's look at these guys head to head this season. Well, you're not going to get any further there either because it's an 8-8 split between these guys through the season. So now I want to focus on just the mile and a half this year. Who is better just on the mile and a halfs? when you break it down that way? It's Tyler Reddick. He's got a 4-1 lead on Matty D. That second-place finish at Vegas is Matty D's only win head-to-head versus Reddick. On average, Reddick is finishing 12th on the mile-and-a-halves, and DiBenedetto is 14.6. And that second-place finish really spiked that number up more than it should be, I would say. Because his other finishes on the mile and a half are not great. So for that reason, I'm going to choose Tyler Reddick in the eight car. You get a sense of what I was saying earlier. It's a tough decision with a lot of these matchups that they're throwing at us this week. But I'm going to go with, because of the mile and a half success, the eight car, Tyler Reddick. He is currently going off minus 115. They're even, both minus 115. So makes sense. I like it. Lock me in for the young gun. Next up. We've got another young gun versus, uh, you know, veteran, I would say. It's Ricky Stenhouse Jr. versus Cole Custer. So another, you know, weird tale of the tape. Ricky Stenhouse has been here seven times. His best finish is 11th. He finished 12th here last year. On average, his finish is not great. 20.7 is his average finish at this racetrack. So not good numbers. At Kentucky, historically, that's something that we're looking for, but we're not getting you know those numbers at Kentucky, so we'll have to move on to looking at specifically this year. Now, he finished second at Talladega, but since Talladega, he's really been an afterthought. I mean, he was the guy that we took uh, Ryan Newman over in our lock of the week last week, and that paid off for us because he wrecked early, so not great since that second-place finish, but as far as mile-and-a-half tracks are concerned, he does have two top fives, earlier this year. So we'll get to the the breakdown a little bit further there in just a second. But let's talk about Cole Custer for a second, because he's also a rookie, just like Tyler Reddick. No cup numbers to go off of at Kentucky. But in three, his last three years in Xfinity, he has one win and three top five finishes. So a win and two fifth place finishes. So he knows to track well. I mean, you know, different equipment. It's a whole different ball game in cup. We know that, especially on mile and a halfs. Um, you got guys dominating Xfinity, and they come up, and and it's just a a mind blow. But he knows it well. I mean, that's what you want out of a rookie. That's one of the reasons why, I would assume, that he's even in-cup this year. So he finished fifth in Indianapolis. So really good momentum for that 41 team. Now, he has not been great on mile-and-a-halves this year, however. So if we're looking at the season series head-to-head, between Cole Custer and Ricky Stenhouse, Ricky actually dominates 10 to 6 this season. And this year on mile and a half racetracks, Ricky is the winner five to zero. He has beaten Cole Custer all five times on the mile and a half. So it's really kind of a, you know, you're, you're jumbled up looking at these numbers because when you're looking at the racetrack historically, you only have the Xfinity numbers to go off of for Cole Custer, but they're awesome. And Ricky's numbers at Kentucky, not great. But this is one where I'm going to have to, if I'm making a pick, I'm going to have to put the the current this season lens on it. And I'm going to pick Ricky Stenhouse in that 47 car to continue his solid success on mile and a half and beat Cole Custer this week at Kentucky. Mark it in. Now, Stenhouse is actually going off as a bit of an underdog, minus 106 compared to Custer's 125. I would think that has to do with the the finishes they both had last week. So lock me in for the underdog, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Now, let's move on to a battle of former teammates in Austin Dillon versus Ryan Newman. So let's start breaking this one down by taking a look at Austin Dillon. He's kind of a conundrum when you're looking at this matchup because he is not great at Kentucky, his average finish is 22 his best finish all time is 16th it happened twice so not great I mean if you're, you're trying to beat one other guy and your average finish is 22nd most of the field is finishing ahead of you and you know the chances it's the guy you're facing makes it higher so that's a tough tough drink to swallow and uh, last week at Indianapolis. He finished 18th. So doesn't have any momentum to go off of into a racetrack that he's not historically good at. But we want to put that mile and a half view on it. This year on mile and a half, he's actually been very good. When you think of Austin Dillon, I think of the big racetracks. He, he won Daytona and you think of you know Talladega for some reason. I mean, it's just that three car, right? But mile and a halfs clearly have been something that this team wanted to focus on in the offseason because they're doing well. He's got one top five and three top tens in mile and a half so far this year. His average finish on the mile and a half is 8.8. That's really good. Something that I would not have predicted unless I did the research on this one. So then we flip it. Let's take a look at Ryan Newman. Historically, at Kentucky, he's pretty good here. Three top fives, four top tens. His average finish is good enough for 10th out of all active drivers. 14.4. He finished ninth here last year in the sixth car. So... All good stuff. I mean, that's what you're looking for at a racetrack in a head-to-head matchup. you got a guy who likes it. But this year just has not been the year for Ryan Newman. On mile and a half this year, he has zero top 10s. His best finish on mile-and-a-halves has been 14th. His average finish on mile-and-a-halves, 22, which is funny because that's what Austin Dillon's average is at Kentucky Speedway. So this is truly a matchup of whether you like someone who has good history at a racetrack or someone who is hot this year at that type of racetrack and if we look at these two head-to-head all season austin dillon wins eight to five in those matchups and at just mile and a half racetracks austin dillon is up for nothing on ryan newman so for that reason I'm going to surprise myself here and take Austin Dillon. Coming into this matchup, I was thinking I was going to go Newman, but after sifting through all the data, I'm going to go with Austin Dillon in that three car. They're both going off at minus 115, so it's an even matchup. Lock me in, Dillon over Newman. So then we're going to end it with yet another tough head-to-head matchup to try to dissect, and that's William Byron versus Clint Boyer. William Byron going off here as the favorite minus 125 to Boyer's minus 106. So let's start with William Byron, small sample size at a track with a small sample size. So he's only been here two times in his career, and he's got a 20th place finish and an 18th place finish. So do the math, all you math whizzes out there, that's a 19th for average finish for William Byron. So that's really where the stats come to an end. I mean, what are you supposed to do with that? But then you got to take into consideration this year. And as we've been doing, so mile and a half. I mean, let's keep that conversation going. His average finish this season for mile and a half racetracks, five tracks, it's 17th. And his best finish was ninth at Homestead, which is the most recent mile and a half So you could argue that maybe he's getting a little better. But, you know, that's really all there is to cling to for William Byron. I mean, if you're trying to bet on him, what else is there to really grasp at? So now you want to compare that to Clint Boyer. He's got a a full sample size at this racetrack. In nine races, he's got one top five, two top tens. So he's pretty good here. I mean, compared to someone who hasn't really had that much experience Last year, he finished 6th in this race. And ever since he's been at Stuart Haas, he's gotten better each year. So better finish every time that he's raced for Stuart Haas. So that's good stuff at Kentucky. Now let's take a look at mile and a half this year. His average finish is 19.6, and the best finish he has is 11th, which is also at Homestead, Miami. So also most recent. So now you got to go to the season series head-to-head. It's a split 8-to-8 For these two, it's a perfect matchup. The sports books are trying to mess with us here. But when you dig a little deeper, we're going to look at head-to-head at the five-mile-and-a-half racetrack so far this season. And William Byron has a 4-1 lead over Clint Boyer in those matchups. The only one Boyer has under his belt is a 20th-place finish compared to Byron's 33rd-place finish at Atlanta a few races back. So that really you could make an argument that that was really a product of Byron not performing really at all there, and and Boyer just kind of cruising to a head-to-head victory in that matchup. So very easily could have been 5 nothing Byron, but it is four to 4-1. We give him that point, but for that reason, because I don't have much to grasp at here, like I said, I'm going to go with Byron because of the, the mile-and-a-half record, and, you know, I feel like Hendrick Motorsports, for whatever reason, I feel like they're going to bring it this weekend. I, I can't put my finger on it. There's no real reason to think that when you're looking at the data, but I feel like they can bring the heat this weekend. So we'll see if that's the case. In any way, I'm taking Byron over Boyer in this head-to-head matchup to close out the head-to-head section. So let's just take a, a quick peek back at the, the four drivers I'm taking in the head-to-head matchups. So we're going to go with Tyler Reddick over Matt DiBenedetto. We're going Ricky Stenhouse Jr. over Cole Custer, Austin Dillon over Ryan Newman, and William Byron over Clint Boyer. Lock him in. We'll see if we can get that 4 nothing parlay this weekend. It's very elusive. Got a good feeling about it this weekend. So now we're going to end this week's episode talking about the All-Star Race, because that's going to be going off next Wednesday, and that'll be going off before we can get another episode out of Full Tank with Phil. So let's talk about it now, but want to just mention, you know, we're not going to really pick anybody or, or dive in. We just did a Bristol podcast just a, a few weeks back, and we just watched a Bristol race. Now, I have to start by saying I love the fact they moved it to Bristol. I think a lot of people were really clamoring for that. It was a great move, considering the fact that the schedule's all messed up. As a gambler, it's great. As a fan of NASCAR, it's even better. So, good move. Props to NASCAR for doing that. Now, as far as our picks for the All-Star race, I'm really not the type of person who likes to bet on any All-Star game, whether it's the, the Pro Bowl or the NBA All-Star game. The MLB All-Star game might be the the best one you could bet on because they're really playing for something, but um, I know you can argue NASCAR, these guys are racing for a million dollars. I get it, and I will probably throw something down, but it's really hard for me to, to get into it, but I'll do it for the sake of this, so... You're going to want to check us out at Full Tank Phil on Instagram. We're going to update our picks for the All Star game on Wednesday for that once we see the odds and the breakdowns as we get closer to that race. So check us out on Instagram there at Full Tank Phil. But if I was to just speculate over a few things, if Kyle Busch doesn't win, this weekend at kentucky it would make all the sense in the world that he would go out win at bristol a racetrack that he is very very good at in a race that means nothing towards the regular season i mean it feels like that happens often i think it happened maybe last year the year before with kyle larson and you know the guys who can't get it done in a regular race or points paying race win the all-star race it's just funny that way so keep an eye on that But then, of course, we have to go back because you know they're going to be showing the clip of Chase and Joey Logano wrecking each other towards the end of that race earlier this season. I would tend to lean towards one of those guys in the All-Star race, depending on what the odds shake out to be. But those three guys are my early, you know, early looks, my early feels towards the All-Star race at Bristol. Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, and Joey Logano are the ones that I'm looking at now. In terms of ways to make this a little bit more interesting for the gambler, they do have the fan vote, where the guys who are not automatically enlisted into the all-star race, they could either win the, the showdown or whatever they call it, the, the race of all the guys who didn't make it, which happens right before, and the, the stage winners and the winner of the race make it into the big show. But if you're not one of those guys, there's a fan vote, and I think it would be in NASCAR's best interest or the sports book's best interest to allow gamblers to bet on who is going to win the fan vote. Now, from what I can tell, I think the leader in the clubhouse right now is Bubba Wallace because of, I would have to assume, all the stuff that's going on around Bubba. People are really flocking to him. But there's a a couple dark horses out there. I mean, Clint Boyer, he's just the, the good old boy everybody seems to like. Matty D., DeBenedetto has been a, a fan favorite of the past few years, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he were to to jump up and win that vote. But then there's a, a wild card, dark horse pick. It's Corey LaJoy. He's driving that 32 car. He's doing a good job, and you know he's been on the radio a lot recently. He's had a podcast. A slight beef with Danny Hamlin. Really getting his name out there and starting to really turn a lot of heads and as far as his personality is concerned, so he could sneak up there and steal that fan vote away from some of these guys who have uh, maybe a bigger name, so keep your eyes peeled on that, but if I was betting money on it, I'm sure Bubba would be the heavy favorite, but I think I would still take him. Now, when it comes to the race itself, it's going to be a very interesting race to watch, and Askar always does a good job of trying some new things out in the All-Star race, and this year is no different, as they will be trying out the choose rule, which means... You know, for anyone who's not really a diehard NASCAR fan, on racetracks there tends to be a you know a better line. So when you're restarting, the person who gets off pit row first, obviously, you know, they're gonna have their choice whether to start on the inside or outside. But after that, it goes to, you know, the, the order that you're coming in. So the odds are gonna be lining out on the outside and the even numbers are gonna be lining up on the inside. Well, they're trying out the concept of a, a choose rule where Say there's a preferred line and it's the outside line. They're going to let drivers who want to restart on the outside choose to be on the outside. So even if I'm coming off of pit road third, I could choose to just take the outside line, which means it's going to open the door. If a lot of people are choosing one of the lines, somebody who's further back in track position coming off pit road could choose the opposite line and restart second and really give them a better you know opportunity to get up there and gain some track position so it's definitely going to be interesting the the gambling aspect of it is i wish if nascar was a larger you know presence in the sports books kind of like football is you get those random prop bets with the super bowl about you know announcers saying things i wish we could bet on the over under how many times we are going to hear the word choose rule that night during the All Star race, because whatever that over under is, I would take the over. And I'm not even kidding around about this. Like, that would be a legit bet that the sports books could put out there, do a little digging, do a little research, and I'm sure they could come up with an over under there. So that would be interesting. But the last thing that I'll mention is a live bet where, I mean, this would be super intense. This is super degenerate status, but a live bet where. You could see once they, once the caution flies and there's going to be a, a pit stop, you could see on the Sportsbook app live what the over-under is for how many drivers are going to take the preferred line. And you could say, you know, say the, the over-under is four and a half drivers. You could say, you know, the under. And as soon as that first driver on the opposite line pops up, you know, that's where the number stops. I'm getting a little intense here. This is super, you know, pipe dream stuff, but I think that would be a way to really keep people on the edge of their seat, glued to the television, watching this live, you know, not recording the race, just big time, real stuff. But in any case, I might be uh, getting out there a little bit and rambling. So that's that's just some uh, ideas on ways to make the all-star race, you know, even more intense when it comes to the gambling aspect of it. And I think that would be pretty cool. So looking forward to a really good all-star race that Wednesday night in Bristol. And again, remember, hit us up on Instagram to follow along with our picks that week as we get closer to it at Full Tank Phil. So we'll be looking forward to to catching you on there for the all-star race. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. We just got some breaking news. Kyle Busch is on the pole for sunday so that just tells me that we're on the right track with our picks to win so make sure you go out there place those bets early get them in and we're going to start this midwest swing on the right path and we'll be ready for the dog days of summer coming up remember drive fast and take chances and we will see you next time (laughs)